Forgiving others who have hurt us is often a challenging feat to accomplish. Pain, trust, fear, and a myriad of other emotions can hold us back from accepting an apology. And what about those who don't apologize? How are we supposed to forgive someone who doesn't believe they did anything wrong when they hurt us? And if we instead choose to hold on to our grudges and never forgive, how will that affect us in the long run? Today, we'll discuss why forgiveness is such an important part of life, so much so that it might even lengthen it. Are you ready? It's time to wake up. It's a new day. Yes, it is. Wakey, wakey. Time to get up. Good morning, citizens. Open up them. Rise and shine. This is your wake-up call, people. Come on. The coffee's on. We're going to get you guys circulating on Christian radio. I understand young people. I know what's hip. I know what's on. I know what's lit. I know what's fleet. What's up, my nerds? Nerds! I work with a bunch of nerds. I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. and shine nerds welcome to the back row morning show a part of the love thy nerd podcast network and the official exclusive morning show for ltn radio i'm radio matt the station manager and chief radio nerd i'm a husband a father of three a green lantern fan and a funko pop collector and i'm mo shorter louder smarter and all around better than absolutely no one i'm a wife mom elementary librarian and seeker of truth except when it comes to reality tv the back row morning show covers a wide range of topics from all across church and pop culture and we usually take it in threes three segments focusing on different aspects of our discussion. This week, we're talking about why forgiving others is good for your social, spiritual, and even physical health. But before we jump into our discussion, remember that Sunday School Answers, the 2020 deck, is now available at backrowgames.com. It's an expansion to the core game with 10 new dilemmas and 40 new answers, all based around the worst year ever. That's right. If you spent your quarantine binging Tiger King, baking sourdough, or perfecting your Animal Crossing Island, the 2020 deck is for you. You can pick up Sunday School Answers, the 2020 deck, and all of our expansions at backrowgames.com, such as the meme deck, the superhero deck, the food deck, and the nerd deck. And we've got over a year's worth of expansions still on the way, and our next expansion will be announced this week. What? <laughs> In a world full of volatile interactions and internet toxicity, our habit of holding on to grudges, unforgiveness, and even hate is strong. We celebrate Pardon Day this week, which is a day dedicated to forgiveness and mending fences. And firstly, we want to talk about the impact that forgiveness and unforgiveness have on our health. Uh, this is an article from Relevant Magazine. It's called The Scientific Case for Forgiveness, and it's by Mike. Uh, oh, it's hard to read. Me Mehar Mehar Mehargu. Megara? No. no. <laughs> M-C-H-A-R-G-U-E. I've never seen this name. Why do so many people have such weird names that I've never seen before, and they're always the writers of these articles? Mm, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's, let's read a little bit about what he has to say. The Bible makes me think Jesus was obsessed with forgiveness. He never stopped talking about the need to forgive others. His parable spoke of a God who was forgiving and expected his creations to be forgiving as well. Jesus portrayed forgiving others as essential to living life abundantly. Jesus and science are in complete agreement on that matter, and studies have given scientific evidence for many of the things the Bible tells us about forgiving others. So first of all, when you forgive, you heal faster. 
Scientists have found that victims of severe abuse who forgive their abuser receive measurable improvements in psychological and physical health. When compared to control groups, the forgivers healed faster and more completely. But there is a catch. Forgiveness isn't a one-time, leave-it-all-behind moment. It's a continual process. Specific techniques vary across practitioners, but the basic model is the same. Scientists, shows, uh, uh, scientists show us that our brains can't forgive people who've hurt us until we grieve the pain we've experienced. Work to understand the perspective of our abuser, decide to forgive them, and then work towards some level of acceptance or compassion toward the one who wounded us. You can't forgive and forget. Our brains just don't work that way. You can only learn to move on without wishing harm on the one who harmed you. Which we will talk about later in the week as to kind of how you get to that point and what that looks like. Uh, because it's not easy at all. And this makes it clear. That's not easy. Uh, but we'll talk a little bit more about how the how on that later. Uh, unforgiveness physically limits you. It says in the article, have you ever been hurt so badly by someone that you can't stop thinking about them? People who have hurt us live in our heads rent-free, showing up in our mind's eye when we have coffee with friends, enjoy nature, or spend time with our family. Sadly, research suggests that holding a grudge against one who wounded us doesn't affect them, but instead impairs us. This impairment can manifest itself in surprising ways. Ruminating over the one who hurt us takes cognitive energy and affects our brains and bodies. It raises the levels of stress hormones in our bloodstream and can elevate our blood pressure and contribute to weight gain. It even affects our ability to focus and form new memories. Holding on to hurt creates a fog around your mind and a weight on your body. And this is less of a metaphor than you'd think, because in one study, scientists found that people could actually jump higher after consciously forgiving someone. Another study showed that people who thought about a grudge viewed physical tasks as more demanding. When we don't forgive others, we put ourselves in mental, emotional, and physical bondage. The person who hurt us may have put us in a cage, but we're the only ones who can set ourselves free. That's some pretty interesting stuff right there. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. And then we'll read the last bit of this article and then we'll discuss it a little further. Forgiving doesn't mean you accept further harm. Studies have shown that forgiveness is effective and beneficial even in the most severe cases of abuse, trauma, oppression, and neglect. Both our faith and modern science emphasize the importance of forgiving others for transgressions no matter how badly we were hurt. But it's important to define forgiveness as well. Forgiveness is accepting what happened and moving on without wishing harm on the one who hurt you. It's not placing yourself in situations where you will continue to be hurt or abused. You can forgive someone and still maintain necessary boundaries in a relationship. In cases of severe abuse, that boundary may need to be no further contact. When Jesus spoke of turning the other cheek to an evil one, those words weren't just an admonishment to nonviolence. Jesus quoted the law and then described radical submission to possible legal interpretations. This approach revealed personal and systematic brutality for what it was, be it physical, economic, or legal. Turning the other cheek is not an admonishment to, say, to stay in abusive situations. As science shows, it's good for you to forgive an abusive parent or spouse. It's freeing to let go of resentment toward an unhealthy friendship. But there's no nobility in allowing those patterns to continue. In cases of persistent abuse, the best way to forgive someone is to walk away. And so we will talk a little bit more about that, too, uh, in the next segment. But anyway, so that's that's the article. Again, this is the Scientific Case for Forgiveness in RelevantMagazine.com. Uh, 
some interesting stuff that I had never heard before, especially when it comes to like the health aspects or like the you physical. can jump higher. Uh-huh. The physical, <laughs> physicality. That gives a new forgiveness. Yeah. That gives a new meaning to the, the fact of carrying that weight, carrying that burden. It actually has a physical effect. Yeah. Like you really are being weighed down by that stuff. Like it's hanging on your neck or like a, a ball around your, your ankle, yeah. ball and chain around your ankle. And then it said, uh, what was the other thing? Forming new memories, how oh, you'll have yeah. a, have an ability, how you'll struggle with the ability to form new memories or focus mm -hmm. when you're dealing with unforgiveness. I mean, when you think about that stuff, it kind of makes sense because you are dedicating such a significant portion of your mind uh -huh. to, to that unforgiveness. Yeah. To that anger, to that grudge, to whatever else that's, that's just weighing you down about that situation. Uh, like I remember a, a certain situation that happened, gosh, 2013, where someone that I really, really trusted just whew, m messed me up. Like I just felt entirely betrayed and it was a year or more before I could get to a point where I could forgive him. And like, I remember having long discussions with who was my, uh, sponsor at the time, Cipriano. Just like, I cannot get over this. I cannot let this go. And it, 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 it messed me up for, I mean, it still messed me up for many years after that. But that one year, I was useless. Yeah. I could not accomplish anything good. Yeah. Because it was, I woke up thinking about it. I went to bed thinking about it. Like, mm -hmm. it just, everything reminded me of what happened. Like, I just could not get past this anger. Yeah. Like, I just, oh, couldn't drop it. And... Yeah, I don't remember anything good about that year. And I know good things happened that year, but that's the only memory I have of 2013. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, well, thankfully, the next year I had a kid. So <laughs> my, my brain now remembers a lot of good things after that. <laughs> but, but That's a good thing. At least. But yeah, I mean, it's just, when, when you come to the, the, the realization that that is putting an actual physical weight on you and not just a spiritual or emotional weight, that makes a lot of sense because mm -hmm. you do feel like you're walking heavier. You do yeah. feel like you're weighed down by all this. Uh, physical tasks, it does take you so much more effort to do them. Mm -hmm. Like I remember that year, I didn't want to get up and do dishes. I didn't want to take the trash out. I just felt like sitting and pouting yeah. <laughs> nonstop. All day long. All day long. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you've we've, we've had conversations and you've, you've shared, like there have been friends that you've had and, and moments that you've had where there have been these breakdowns mm -hmm. and it, it takes a while. Yeah. I won't tell your stories. But <laughs> but. Yeah. Um, for me personally, hearing this is very encouraging because I don't know if it's because I'm such kind of a, uh, I can't think of the word, but visual person mm. that I typically see things kind of illustrated in my mind Yeah, a lot of times. And so going through a period of time where I did have to deal with unforgiveness, I can remember feeling that weight and almost when I would look at myself in the mirror or when I would, you know, you think of yourself in your mind's eye, I felt like I looked heavier. I looked more weighted, which 
I mean, I was because one of the <laughs> side effects of all of that was I, I gained a lot of weight during, mm-hmm. during that time. Um, emotional eating, that'll do it to yeah. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also just the heaviness that I felt like I carried on my shoulders from the situation. It just kind of, I don't, I felt like uh, that dark cloud, you know how like a, in a cartoon, they've got the dark cloud that follows them. That's always raining. Raining just on you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that's what I felt like. Which is typically what they used to describe depression. Yeah. With. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely, it's surprising, but again, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I did know that it, you know, it, it raises your stress hormones, elevates your blood pressure, and I realized it could, would contribute to weight gain too, because that's yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've I have struggled with depression off and on most of my life. Uh, really heavy when I was young, uh, and that translated into me being really heavy, and I'm still really heavy <laughs> because I, that's that's all I've known. I grew up teaching myself to eat to cover emotions and eat mm. to cover stress. And right now we've had a newborn baby for the last uh, month and a week, and I'm 100% stressed and not doing all that great on my uh, eating habits. I don't know why kids are not stressful <laughs> at all. Not even a little bit. Like you get to, you get so exhausted and this is actually a good analogy for it. The, the having a newborn is, is gives you a lot of the same feelings yes. <laughs> because you're so emotionally exhausted. There, there are moments where you hate this baby <laughs> where you want to, you want to go set this baby on the porch Matt, and go back no. inside. No, John, John, yesterday at church was telling somebody, you know, you, you watch that video they make you watch that video about not shaking your baby and it's really long and really annoying. And you're like, of course I'm not going to shake my baby. But then there are times when you're like, you know what? I understand how people could get there. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. You do. Yeah. <laughs> there are times you really gotta, because, because <laughs> that's what you automatically do when you're trying to snap someone out of it. That's like what you think normal, you know, normal adult people snap out of it and shake them, you know, mm-hmm. that's what you think. That's like your automatic go-to when people are freaking out and you need them to calm down, shake them. But anyway, scream at them, don't yell at them. <laughs> Shut you up. What's wrong with you? You can't do that to babies. <laughs> no, can't do that to babies. Uh, no. But anyway, you get that same, that same kind of overwhelmed feeling because it, yeah. it consumes all your emotions. Overwhelmed and yeah. exhausted and drained and just flustered and out of sorts. And so the idea of ordering DoorDash here in 2021, instead of cooking a meal after a physically and emotionally exhausting day, yeah, that'll kick you right off your diet real quick. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And our DoorDash locally just continues expanding. So mm-hmm. it really does. Uh-huh. I mean, that's, that's, that's one good thing that came out of uh, COVID times in our town anyway, is they really quickly kicked it up a notch when it comes to how they're going to deliver food in this town. Uh-huh. I didn't think we were ever going to get it. It's been beautiful. <laughs> um, forming no mi- new memories though, does surprise me. Like the, the, the ability to form, it's like, it's, it's like you're, it's saying you're stuck in this moment, Yeah, you know, it's like, you're not going to grow. You're not going to forge ahead into like, you're stuck in this moment of time until you get out of it, you know? Yeah. That's kind of, <laughs> it's 
kind of crazy. I keep going back to my ro- roast. <laughs> I keep going back to my roast. The roast I of wish Mo I had Oaks. a roast right now. Uh, I keep going back to my most recent need to forgive. Um, and yeah, I cannot think of a whole lot of good around that time, which is really sad. Yeah, because it definitely happened. You yeah. definitely had good moments during that time, but yeah. your brain was just focused uh, almost exclusively on just how awful you felt in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of mm-hmm. sucks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not kind of. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All in all, it would take me, I want to say, nearly five years to get to the point where I could forgive this person. Uh, and even then, it still pops up in my mind every now and then. And like I said, it is a, it's not just a one and done process. This is something you have to continually choose to do. You have to con- continually choose to forgive this person mm-hmm. to remind yourself, I have let this go and yep. I'm not holding this against them any longer. Yep. And I wish them no ill will. This is not my burden to carry anymore. <laughs> we don't have to hang out anymore, but I'm not going to just harbor this forever. Yeah. Because it's not good for either of us and it's not hurting him at all. You know, it's hurting me. That's exactly right. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, this week is all about forgiveness. And uh, when we come back, we're going to discuss the three different types of forgiveness and how you can utilize uh, me reading Mo's line. Uh Uh-huh. How you can utilize (laughs) all of them to unburden your spirit. Just kept reading right on. Sorry about that. It's okay. Forgive me. This week in nerdy news, this is LTNN. Strong rumors abound that Nintendo is in its final stages of upgrading their Switch Online subscription service, which currently offers a large collection of classic NES and Super Nintendo games to play whenever you'd like by adding over a hundred Game Boy and Game Boy Color titles as well. This is largely coming as the 3DS has all but ended its run, meaning that the last place to play classic Game Boy games via a virtual console has faded in popularity, now that the main console is also a portable one. That means keeping these two libraries separate no longer makes sense. Additionally, it could be a boon to excite Switch owners as the console is well into its life and focus adjust to the next generation. Just give me Super Mario Land 2 six golden coins and I'll be happy. Netflix released the first trailer for their upcoming spy film, Red Notice, starring Ryan Reynolds, Gal Gadot, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. The trailer shows The Rock's FBI agent, John Hartley, tracking the two greatest criminals in the world. Red Notice will launch onto Netflix on November 12th. Lastly, on September 1st, a large chunk of creators, including many top-tier streamers, took a day off from Twitch to protest what appears to be a lack of attention from the company over an epidemic of hate raids. Hate raids are program bots that will follow multiple accounts with the intention of raiding an active streamer with several other bots programmed to spam the chat with racist and repulsive comments. A noticeable dip in traffic did occur as, when compared to the previous Wednesday, September 1st had nearly 1 million fewer hours watched and over 14,000 fewer live channels 
channels active. Though other factors could have contributed, such as school starting back up and two popular streamers leaving for YouTube gaming, the data still shows a 5 to 15% drop in normal activity on the platform. Following this, Twitch sent an email to its streamers promising that they are not sitting on their hands, but are actively working on a solution. But they're choosing not to give specifics as to not provide more information than necessary for those behind the hate raids to attempt to work around them. If you are a streamer, third-party companies are creating ways to combat hate raids in progress. Streamlabs is offering a free safe mode tool that can be activated when a hate raid begins, and there are also many tutorials on how to build a panic button on Elgato's stream decks. That was This Week in Nerdy News. I'm Radio Matt, and this is LTNN. I'm Radio Matt, and this is Reviews of the Nerds. If you've been the parent of a toddler in the last decade or so, then you'll know there are three main streaming kings of addictive TV for young ones. The insufferable Blippi, the mind-numbing Ryan's World, and Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol is one of the biggest franchises, especially when it comes to clothes and toys. The premise is simple enough. A boy and his six uniquely skilled dogs save the folks of Adventure Bay from small crises. Somehow, Ryder, a boy of maybe at the most 10 years old, can afford a giant tower headquarters with all kinds of futuristic gadgets and several specialized vehicles for the pups, who each have their own focus. For instance, Chase is a police dog, Marshall's a fire dog, Rubble is a construction dog. You get the idea. The show has been going on for so long that they've had to invent ways to switch things up first by adding new occasional teammates based on location, then by adding new skills and powers, even superpowers at one point. It's all jump-the-shark material, but kids eat it up. And then I saw it. My wife and I were at the theater to see Black Widow, and there on the wall was a giant poster for Paw Patrol the movie. And I knew my boys would give anything to watch it. And since it was released on Paramount Plus at the same time, we went ahead and paid for a month of that service to get it, saving us a ton of money to not see it in theaters. We have, as of this recording, watched it seven times. The movie itself looks great. They take already established characters and build on them, adding to their backstory and diving deeper into who they are and why, more so than they can or would even want to in the 11-minute episodes on TV. The movie brings us to Adventure City, where a pup named Liberty lives and where show villain Mayor Humdinger has managed to cheat his way into becoming the mayor there. The pups are begged to come save the town. We learn that Chase once lived there but was abandoned. He had a lot of fear and anxiety about going back but eventually does because he's a hero and he must. The movie largely then follows his story and struggle. We see emotions that we've never seen in any of these characters, some even very compelling. The movie is both about saving Adventure City and saving Chase. I was surprised by how good of a movie it actually was. As a parent, I appreciate that this movie was still made with little kids as the main focus. There were no dirty jokes snuck in for the parents, no super scary or overly intense scenes to rattle the younger viewers, and the main story focused around established heroes and villains, with new characters having important roles, but they didn't take away from the main cast. As the movie goes, this ain't no Citizen Kane, but if I'm judging from a parent's point of view, this movie teaches kids the importance of facing your fears, understanding that failure is a part of life, and sharing your burdens with others to lighten the load and work towards healing. In that regard, Paw Patrol is on a roll. I give this movie 10 out of 10 pepperoni chews. That's the review, and remember, no dog is too big, no pup is too small.
Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show. I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. And every week, these three main segments get spread out across three daily morning shows on LTN Radio. And they include a lot more content, including weird news, random facts, games, challenges, rants, Discord arguments, junk food, and more. And you can be a part of all of that by following us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash LTN on air. So you'll be notified when we go live. You can even be a part of the show. And it is September over on Twitch. So subscriptions are 20% off. So if you want to go a little further and help support our channel and help us with like new equipment and and giveaways and things like that, we'd love that chair. Too. A better chair. We need better chairs up here in this studio. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, then yeah, you could you can do that and it'll be at a discount to you, but we'll still get the full donation that we would normally get from a subscription. So help us out. Mm-hmm. That's the pitch. And make sure that you catch our full morning shows. I bit my tongue as I say that. <laughs> full morning shows every Monday through Thursday on LTNOnAir.com at 8 a.m. Eastern Time with an encore at 10. I'm talking very <laughs> deliberately now, so I don't bite the same spot again. Earlier, we made our case as to why harboring unforgiveness is bad for your health. And now we're going to talk about the three different types of forgiveness that could help aid in your quest to be unburdened. So this is actually part of, I'm not not sure if it's not really a sermon, kind of, but it's by a pastor and it's kind of just like almost a report. Like a, maybe it's a study. Maybe a deep. I don't really understand what it is, but (laughs) other than it's interesting. Okay. Uh, so it starts off with first uh, the pastor, Pastor Timothy Nutt, uh, and this is First John one eight and nine. It says, "If we have, if uh, we say we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves, and the truth's not in us. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness." And uh, he goes on to say, anyone who's familiar with Italian operas or plays the plays of Shakespeare knows the terrible price paid for grudges, vendettas, and revenge. Under the sway of these emotions, painful incidents linger in the mind, zapping our ability to find peace and happiness. The 18th century English poet Alexander Pope gave us the antidote to err as human, to forgive divine. But finding a way to forgive without giving up our principles is often no easy task. So he says the objective of this writing is to define what forgiveness is and how to implement it. Uh, And he says, I'll be speaking about forgiveness where it is most often needed, everyday personal life, with family members, with friends, with coworkers, and with business associates. One of the challenges of understanding the process of forgiveness is because the word forgiveness is inadequate to explain a very complex concept. Forgiveness actually embodies three different things, each of which applies to a different situation and provides different results. He says the three types of forgiveness are exoneration, forbearance, and release. So first let's talk about exoneration. Exoneration is closest to the way we usually think of what forgiveness is. It's wiping the slate clean, restoring a relationship to the full state of innocence that we had before the harmful incident took place. Um, Like when you rely uh, that the harmful action was a genuine accident for which no fault can be assigned. Mm -hmm. Someone accidentally hurt our feelings, accidentally uh, did something to offend us that, you know, they had no idea would offend us. Right. But we took personally that kind of thing. Uh, it also could mean situations where the offender is a child or someone else who had some other reason, uh, for some other reason, did not understand that the hurt they were inflicting, uh, would affect you. Okay. You know, 
And then uh, another possibility is that it takes place with a person who hurts you is truly sorry and takes full responsibility without excuses for what they did. Mm. They ask for forgiveness and give you confidence that they will not knowingly repeat the action in the future. And in such situations, it's it's essential to accept their apology and offer them the complete forgiveness of exoneration. You'll feel better, and so will the person who hurt you. And in fact, to not offer forgiveness in those circumstances would be harmful to your own well-being, like we talked about in the last segment. It might even suggest that there's something more wrong with you than with the person who caused your pain. Which is a whole other road to go down, which we will probably touch on a little bit in the next segment. <laughs> the second type of forgiveness is forbearance. So here things are a little bit more complicated. Forbearance applies when the offender makes a kind of half apology. Okay. Or mingles their apology. With, with an excuse. With an excuse or even putting part of the blame on you. An apology is offered, but it's just not, it's not what you hope for and it might not be authentic. It's just like, all right, if we got to get past this, if I have to say I'm sorry to get past this, then I'm sorry. Yeah. Or I'm sorry you got offended. Yeah. One of those half apologies, mm -hmm. you know? While you should always reflect if there was a provocation on your part, even if you bear no responsibility, you should exercise forbearance. But we need to cease dwelling on the particular offense and do away with grudges and fantasies of revenge, but retain a degree of watchfulness. Uh, so this is similar to what we call um, trust but verify yeah, or forgive but not forget. Uh-huh. So by using forbearance, you are able to maintain ties to people who, while far from perfect, are still important to you. So people that, this is often like family members. This okay. really often applies to family members who you do love, they are a part of your family, you want a relationship with them, but you don't really feel like you can trust them, you know, with 100% of you. <laughs> you know, you can't go all in with these family members yeah. or these friends that are up you know, maybe you've been friends with forever, but as you've grown up, y'all have grown kind of in different directions and you don't want to lose the relationship. But at the same time, you know, you don't want to pour your entire being into them anymore. Right. You you're know. still going to have them in your life. You're just going to set boundaries. Right. Uh, so that's, that's a useful tool. It can still be forgiveness, but like you said, it's it's forgiveness that sets up boundaries moving mm -hmm. forward. But that still allows you to forgive them and move on and not hold a grudge. Mm -hmm. uh, which genuinely is where I'm at with both of my brothers <laughs> and have been for a long time. Okay. Uh, they They have continually done things that I deem absolutely awful, uh, but they don't really see any problem with it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay. And they probably never will. Right. Yeah. I, I don't have to have a close relationship with you, but mm -hmm. I'm here if you're in an emergency or if you need me, that kind of thing. That's, yeah. that's kind of the situation we're in, which is a bummer thing to say, quite honestly. I would love to have the relationship like my wife has with her siblings, but no, nah. <laughs> not yeah. going to happen. <clears throat> I, I am there with my dad, mm. so yeah. But at the same time, is it a bummer thing to say? Yes, but it would be an even bummer thing to say if we were still allowing ourselves to be burdened mm. on a regular basis with the pain yeah. that we were put through prior to those boundaries being set. Sure. Absolutely. So. Yeah. It's, 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 it's not ideal, but it is a good second place <laughs> yeah. uh, procedure. All right. Sure. And the third type of forgiveness is called release. Now release, 
does not exonerate the offender, nor does it require forbearance. It does not even demand that you continue a relationship uh, with this person. It does ask that you inst- that instead of continuing to define your life in terms of the hurt done, you release your bad feelings and your preoccupation with the negative things that happen to you. So release does something that is critically important. It allows you to let go of the burden uh, of the silent tax that is weighing you down and is eating away your chance at happiness. Mm -hmm. If you do not release the pain and anger and move past dwelling on old hurts and betrayals, no matter how bad they are or how awful the things that happen to you, you will always be allowing the ones who have hurt you to live. Again, this is a term you're going to hear in all three segments, rent-free in your mind. Yeah. Reliving forever the persecution of the original incident started. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether you get there through your own efforts, counseling, religion, or some other method, release liberates you from the tyranny of living in the traumatic past, even when the other forms exoneration uh, and forbearance are not possible. So essentially, this is not going to some... well. In most cases, I would say you're not actually going face-to-face with this person that hurt you. In some cases, the person might have died. In the case of, like, an abusive parent that passed away many years ago. Yeah. You know, you can't make a direct amends with that person, but you can release it. You can forgive them, you know, into the universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Set that forgiveness free like a dove. Yeah. But you know what I mean. Just put it, put it out there that I'm not going to hold on to this anymore. I'm mm-hmm. not going to let my life be defined by this moment, this one moment in time or these few moments in time anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, like we talked about in the last segment, that's going to immediately make you lighter. <laughs> Uh, but it'll probably be a long process too. Like I've, I've never been abused. I've never been in a situation where I have been, uh, hurt, uh, to an abusive level physically or, uh, emotionally or verbally or anything like that. So I can't be 100% honest that I know what that feels like or how easy or hard that would be one way or the other. But one thing I can say is I know that it's possible. Because I've seen it happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Being in leadership with Celebrate Recovery, we've seen quite a few people who have had those kind of pasts and have been able to work through them and let them go. That's typically what we call step Satan nine. (laughs) But before we get into anything recovery related in the next uh, segment... I want you to know your steps eight and nine all kind of drug together. And so it sounded like you said... That's what we call step Satan nine. Step Satan nine. It's early and it's hard to talk. Took me a minute. I was like, step (laughs) Satan nine. What? what? Okay, got it. So what do you think about these three terms of forgiveness? I I mean, I always knew that these three existed. I just never put names to them before I read this. Yeah. um, I find it interesting. Exonerate, release. What was the third one? Forbearance. Which is essentially wiping the slate clean. Right. Which... I have always said, and I actually, you know, the five love languages, right? Yeah. Gary Chapman also wrote a book called The Five Languages of Apology. Oh. And it kind of talks about how we, everyone gives an apology and receives an apology differently. Hmm. Which it makes a whole lot of sense. For a lot of people, there is not a... um, an option of giving an apology without giving an excuse, if mm. you will. And for me, that drives me crazy. 
It drives me absolutely. <laughs> when somebody has an excuse. Absolutely insane. Yeah. Because, um, and reading through that book really, it was very instrumental for me in my early adult years because a lot of my in-laws, that was how they give apology. I'm sorry that I did this. Let me explain to you why. Let me explain why I did this. And their reasoning is let let me allow you to see the full situation. Yeah. I'm not just doing this to hurt you. I'm not just doing this to be mean or, you know, malicious in some way. There is a reason. But for me, the way that I receive an apology is you say I'm sorry and that's it. Mm. You don't say anything else along with I'm sorry. Otherwise, you're, to me, just giving an excuse hmm. for why you did what you did. Does that make sense? Yeah. All I'm trying you to think to, about what I do. All you have to say to me is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You acknowledge that you did something wrong. You don't even have to go into detail about it. I don't even really want to know. Because mostly that'll just make me even more emotional and make me cry. So, <laughs> How do you apologize? By simply saying, I'm just sorry. Just that way? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The same way that you want to receive it? Mm -hmm. Yep. Exactly. And I will say, I'm sorry repeatedly. And I will say I'm sorry with the different inflection, depending on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like that? Mm-hmm. Essentially. Because <laughs> then that just sounds Would like. Would you forgive me? Not like that, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, so typically, when I am aware that I have done something to offend someone, my first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to go to them and say, listen, I'm so sorry. And they, and they just leave it at that kind of look at me and do the head nod just like that. And I allow them to open up the conversation. Tell me how I hurt you. Hmm. Yeah. That's not a bad way to take it. I think at that point, I, because it's easier to forgive someone who is willing to accept that what they did was hurtful. You essentially want someone to come into an apology with a almost defeated spirit. Not yeah. in a bad, I'm not saying that in yeah. a bad way, but just like a, I screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like a frump over. Yikes. Yeah. Me. Mm -hmm. Yikes. Mm -hmm. Forgive me. And so when you come to me in that way, when you come and you say, I am so sorry, my response is going to be, it's okay. I really don't harp on a whole lot as, unless it was something big, mm -hmm. you know, I typically don't harp on the little things, Yeah, the things that could be here or there, whatever, you know, I don't tend to harp on them. And I really, the little things I forgive and forget pretty easily. I think that's because I grew up with a lot of siblings, <laughs> specifically a lot of brothers. <laughs> And I kind of had to do that. <laughs> In order to just live my life. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, Otherwise I'd be mad all the time. Exactly. <laughs> I'd just be miserable. So I had to learn, you know what? It's all right. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it was a horrible situation, but let's move on. I think it's important also to realize that at least in the case of the first two, exoneration and forbearance, Oh, no, I'm sorry. Forbearance is the one where it's 
trust but verify exoneration yeah. of the wipe site clean. Mm-hmm. I said that backwards earlier. Yeah. Um, that forbearance can become exoneration over time. Yeah. Because sometimes a hurt is bad enough that even though you're willing to forgive them, it's going to take you a while to get to the point where you can fully trust them again. But that doesn't mean you won't get there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, when I think of that, I think of like situations in marriages, like when there's infidelity or right. things of that nature, but they want to work through it. Yeah. That will, if, if, you, if the spouse that was hurt is willing to stay on in the marriage, then that will have to start with maybe even maybe even release transitioning into forbearance mm-hmm. over time and then after much time has passed and trust is earned again into exoneration yeah absolutely these three things three different types of forgiveness mm-hmm. i guess yeah i don't feel like have to be separate there yeah. will be times where they will be but in most cases of forgiveness it'll be determined based on the type of relationship right i think in most cases of forgiveness it is kind of a step-by-step process yeah especially with close people well yeah and i think you know in terms of your brothers and my dad we both have said that you know we are at the place of release for them right did we say release? i said i was at forbearance with them okay where look we can We'll be family, and I'll be there if you need me, yeah. but I'm not going to let you watch my kid or anything. <laughs> that yeah. kind of stuff. I'm not um, going to trust you with the big stuff. Right. With the hopes, for me personally, and my goodness, this boundary has been set in place since 2013, 2014, for me and my dad. So, what, seven years? Yeah, about Um that. Yeah, still, I have a continued hope that eventually we can get to a healthy place, a good place where we can both be in each other's daily lives, regular lives, at least. Yeah. You don't want to rule it out. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But at the same time, it is going to take a lot for me to have the trust um, and not especially you said, I'm not going to let you watch my kids coming to a place when you are married and then you have kids having to realize that those relationships aren't just harming you, Yeah, you know, but that opens up a door to harm your kids or, or your marriage as well. You know, you setting those boundaries is so crucial mm-hmm. on so many levels. Um, it's okay to implement certain types of forgiveness. Yeah. It's a good thing to implement them. Yeah. And and it's important to note that with forbearance, you know, when there's that trust but verify thing, the reason why it's important to make that distinction that it's still a type of forgiveness is because it is requiring you still to let go of past hurts. Like the fact that you're still struggling with the trust of that person does not mean that you're allowed to still uh, have that hurt hang over their head. You're not allowed to still beat them over the head with the thing that you said that you've forgiven. Yeah. Uh, and so the, I, I feel like some people might hear this and think, okay, well, if you're not forgetting, then you're not, then you're not really forgiving mm-hmm. because we tend to think of that in God's mindset. You know, when God forgives, he wipes that away, you know, wipes the sin away. 
And so it's as, as if it never happened. Like he's choosing to forget it almost. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, as with many things I say, yeah, God can do a lot of things that we can't that do we can't because do. we're not righteous. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't think that it's, in most cases, it's not easy to get to the point where you can forgive and forget and just wipe it away like it didn't happen, yeah. especially when they're serious infractions. But that doesn't mean that you're allowed to, even in your hurt, even if you're still struggling with having to forgive them on a daily basis, that doesn't mean you're allowed to hold that over their head. If you're making the choice to forgive, then you forgive. You don't bring it up. It might bring up in your mind, might pop up in your mind often, but you you need to, uh, it's, it's a, it's a chore, but it's a commitment that you make to choose to not react to the thing that you've said you've forgiven. Yeah. And, uh, that does open the door for healing that, that gives you the opportunity to give them the opportunity <laughs> to earn the trust. So I have said, and honestly, I still even after hearing this and talking through it, I still lean on the side of forgive and forget, forgive, but not forget is not forgiveness. I do in my own mind, sure. Lean on that side because what I'm going to say is, and it's going to be hard. I'm going to, I know I'm going to butcher my thoughts into (laughs) a thousand really stupid not puzzle piece together words. Um, but I think, okay, when you forgive and you forget, truthfully, I'm not saying that you walk back into that situation and put yourself back in harm's way. You forgive, you forget, and you redefine. Whatever that relationship is, it needs to be redefined. You need to set your boundaries. You need to decide what exactly it was that hurt you. Are you going to, was that something personal? Did you take something wrong or was it malicious in some way? And so you need to figure out, you need to evaluate and figure out, okay, how are we going to redefine this relationship? What is it going to look like moving forward here on out? But without forgetting it, without truly letting go of it, then every time you see that person, it comes up. Yeah, I think that might just be a, 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 a almost a semantic issue of what you're defining forgetting as. Sure. Because I think most people think of the term forgive and forget, and then if you were to say, but that means you reset boundaries, well, that means, okay, well, They're then saying, you didn't forget it then. Because right. you're, you're now using that instance to reset boundaries. So I think what you're saying is accurate. In my opinion, that's just not what that is generally meant by that term. But I mean, I know I know what you're saying, <laughs> and I agree with it. It's more like forgive and let it go is essentially what you're saying. Like, don't ever bring it up again. Remove it from your mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't allow it to take up. Yeah space in your mind. Yeah. Cause Um, I mean, I I just, I I don't know that it's even possible for us to actually genuinely forget that something happened that we were hurt. I do. Do you? Mm -hmm. I've don't tell me I've forgotten things cause then you're remembering it. (laughs) Well, 
What I have forgotten is the situation in its entirety. I okay. remember being hurt. I remember the... Well, I mean, that's what I mean. Like, well, But hold on. I remember okay. that there was a situation in where I was hurt. But if you were to ask me what hurt you, what was said, what was done, I can't remember. Okay. You know what I mean? I got you. And so I know in that way, like, I hate that I'm doing this, but <laughs> a friend's <laughs> reference... <laughs> there is a friends episode where Phoebe is holding a grudge against Ross and Ross is like, what did I do? Uh, and Phoebe's like, I don't know. I don't know, but you did something and I'm mad at you for it. <laughs> and so they play this game where she says the first thing he asks her questions and they say the first thing that comes to their mind. Okay. I can't think of a question right now to express or show how this <laughs> how it play. Worked. Yeah. Your favorite color, yellow. Your favorite movie, this. Your favorite show, blah. You know, why are you mad at me? And then she says this really outlandish, crazy scenario that obviously was a dream. Mm. And so she had been mad at him holding a grudge against him because of something that she had dreamt. Mm. Something that hadn't even happened. Mm. And that's Ross's whole thing. You've been of a dream you know and it's one of those situations where it's like oh okay now i remember and i have had so many scenarios in my own life where i'm like i know i'm mad at this person but why <laughs> what did they do exactly and in that in those situations in those moments i do have to go it's not worth it yeah it's not even if i can't remember exactly what it was that caused me pain it obviously wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things. Sure. Yeah. You know, at that very moment, it might have seemed like a big deal. Mm -hmm. You know, when I receive a text message screaming at me at that very moment, I may be like, you know what? You can find yourself another co-host. Forget this. I won't come. <laughs> but give it a week and I probably won't even remember it. <laughs> Not apologize. <laughs> I don't. If that's what you're getting at, Mo, no. you're not getting an apology. No, I don't need an apology. <laughs> you know, but I in mean, that way, you're right though, because I'm sorry. Finish your sentence. Well, I was just going to say, in that way, for and it wasn't malicious on your part. It wasn't something intentional, but at that moment, my feelings were hurt. Mm. Silly as it may be, how many times do your feelings get hurt and it's silly when oh, yeah. you take a minute? Especially when you talk about text messages. Yeah. Because you can always read those wrong. Right. Anybody. Yeah. Right. But <laughs> forgiving without an apology, there's not an apology necess necessary. Dude, you're needed. not getting one, Mo. Quit asking. Hush. Um, <laughs> but forgiving without an apology. And again, give it a week. Depending on how the week goes, <laughs> maybe two, and I won't even, won't even remember, remember it. that it happened. You yeah. know? No, yeah. I was just, I was just gonna say, yeah. Like I remember in school, like I've been called names or, you know, push around or something. There's maybe two instances that I remember. Right. Barely. Yeah. Because yeah, at the time, that was incredibly hurtful. Right. But it didn't really impact who I was. It didn't change my life and. Yeah. Most of those people became friends. You know, th things change. People grow. People 
do change, despite the fact that everybody tries to tell you people never change. People oh change gosh. all the time. People all do nothing time, but day. change. Yeah. People don't stay the same. That's the absolute truth. That there you go. <laughs> Fact. Um, yeah, I mean, t- time time does heal all wounds. That's a very specific thing that is 100% true. Uh, it also puts things into perspective as to what's important and what's not. And as you grow uh, in maturity, both you know, physical and spiritual maturity, it also kind of sometimes takes a lot more to offend you yeah because uh, that's the other thing and you know what i'm gonna save it we're gonna talk about that for our (laughs) next segment sounds good but now that we've laid out the why and the how we're gonna talk about the who of forgiveness but right now we're gonna take a quick break stick around encouraging. When Matt and I started this radio gig, our main objective was to bring less mainstream Christian music to the Christian listener who might be dealing with real life hurts and needed to face them through real, authentic worship. Positive and encouraging could be found aplenty, but authenticity within the Christian community was rare, seemingly unrealistic and unattainable. Hopeful that humor and honesty could bring healing and hope, we dove in headfirst. I have to be truthful, though, and say sometimes my purposeful authenticity came paired with cynicism and grouchiness. In an effort to not be watered down, I had become dry and crabby. While taking an inventory of myself recently, I was hit with this realization. My once bubbly, over-optimistic approach toward life had fizzled away. I'm sure some of it could be attributed to 2020 and other life circumstances, but a large chunk of it came at my own doing. My desire to be more authentic left me feeling less hopeful. Imagine that. Even after I removed all of my live, laugh, love signs and replaced them with the less popular words of Philippians, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. And even knowing how damaging our words and thoughts can be, as reminded in James chapter 3, I still found myself mixed up in a mindset leaning towards negativity. But truly, should I expect much less from my own fruit when what I'm bearing, albeit authentic, is not a whole lot of good, not a whole lot praiseworthy. My dad used to tell me whether you think you're good or you think you're bad, whatever you think you are, you're it. What a confusing life lesson until it hits you. As we walk through this life as a fellowship of believers and as a light to the dark and dying world, let's not only focus on the importance of being authentic, but also on the joy it is to walk in peace through all of life's circumstances, knowing who our Savior is. Let's steer our ships towards light and hope without being swayed by the winds of reality that try to throw us off course, being a beacon to others as they too maneuver through the waters, even if we do get labeled positive and encouraging. Hey everyone, I'm Hector Mirai, and this is Faith and Fandom 180 on LTN Radio. So, I'm a sucker for good word-of-mouth buzz and everything. 
and one of the shows that lately has been getting the most like, oh man, you should watch this type stuff, has been Ted Lasso. Uh, Ted Lasso is a feel-good comedy-dramedy thing uh, that uh, Jason Sudeikis has made, and it is made with, you know, rich people. But it's only on Apple TV, and I don't own Apple TV, so I finally gave in and ordered a month of Apple TV, and my family and I have been burning through uh, the first two seasons of Ted Lasso, and it's the most encouragement you can get with the absolute possible most amount of F-words in like a single setting, so it, it's that weird combo, but it's got a lot of great stuff to it. And um, one of the first really encouraging lessons they throw out in the show is there's a player who's uh, making mistakes and he's uh, struggling with his own failures. And uh, the coach comes up to him and says, you know what the animal with the shortest memory is, is a goldfish. He's like, a goldfish has a 10 second memory. So he tells him, be a goldfish, you know, telling him basically forget the things that you've done that are holding you back. Um, you know, <laughs> recognize it for that 10 seconds and then stop holding on to it. And, you know, for us, we have a God who even says that he's going to stop remembering our sins. And Hebrews 8:12 says, for I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. So the reality is if God who literally knows all is all is everywhere and knows the weight and price of all of our sin will choose to stop remembering our sins maybe we need to be a little more on the goldfish level and stop remembering them too because i think a lot of times we hold ourselves back because when we look at ourselves we see our past sins we see our past failures we see our past mistakes and we can really get in the way of God actually showing us who we are now in his forgiveness and redemption and who we're becoming. So maybe be a goldfish. Remember to catch Faith and Fandom 180 every Wednesday morning on the Back Row Morning Show only on LTN Radio. And if you'd like to learn more about Faith and Fandom, head over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our Comic-Con ministry, podcasts, memes, apparel, and book series. You can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book. I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. Welcome back to the Backrow Morning Show. I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. There's a lot going on in our Discord, backrowdiscord.com, where you get to chat after the show, share your own show ideas, keep up to date with our Twitch and YouTube, be a part of our radio shows, and also see the behind-the-scenes workings of Backrow Games, including Sunday School Answers. The folks in our Discord already know what expansion packs we are hoping to release every month for the next year. Again, go to backrowdiscord.com to join. This week, we're talking about forgiveness. Now, earlier we talked about uh, much of the why and the how, and now we're going to talk about the who. And most of our longtime listeners know that Mo and I are very active in a program called Celebrate Recovery, which is a faith-based 12-step program for all kinds of habits, hangups, and hurts. Uh, I just ended leading a program for the last several years and being a leader in the program for over a decade. Uh, now, like this is my first... I'm, I'm barely in, I think, month three 
of not having celebrate recovery uh, under my leadership every week and it's nice <laughs> to take a break <laughs> mo on the other hand is ramping up to launch a brand new see well I guess a re relaunched a relaunch. Re it launched in the COVID year, yeah. and so that killed it almost uh, yeah. immediately. Uh, but a, a restart uh, at a the beginning reboot. of this next year, taking yeah. over the night that we had exactly. Uh, so they're 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 picking up where we Super left excited. off. It's going to be really cool. Yes, but either way. We, and Mo's been a leader with me and with Sippy uh, for, for many years as well. So we've been a part of this program for a while. And no matter what you come to the program for, when you reach steps eight and nine, you realize that not only do you need to apologize to others whom you have harmed, but you also must work to forgive those who have hurt you. Mm -hmm. And neither of those are easy feats. <laughs> no. Um, so we're going to kind of talk about this from a recovery aspect, but please understand that that's, if you've never been to like a 12-step program, these aren't like special individualized rules that only apply to like people with drugs and alcohol addictions. These at their core are biblical realities of ways that we're supposed to have already been living our lives laid out in a very easy to follow format. Mm -hmm. All of them have scriptural basis behind them. And, uh, like AA started off as a Christian program, like it's, it's, and CR is now carrying that torch for all kinds of hurts, habits, and hangups. Bless you. <laughs> it's pretty loud. Sorry. I moved uh, away from the mic and everything. But, uh, it's, it's, I've lost my place. I'm my sorry. Brain. No problem. Uh. I'll get there. One second. CR is... CR is um, a place where you can struggle with anything, whether that be anger, uh, overspending, you know, spending obsessively, uh, uh, eat, overeating, pornography, depression, other mental health issues, uh, pretty much anything that separates you from God. So if there's something in your life that is hindering your growth uh, as a believer, hindering your walk with Christ... That's something you can come to CR for. Mm -hmm. And you'll realize very quickly that these 12 steps apply to all of us. Yeah. But the ones we're going to be focusing on, again, are, are eight and nine, which talk about making amends. And uh, we're going to be specifically kind of talking about forgiveness. Uh, I want to share with you some of the things that we talk about in the lesson. Uh, first off, Carl Minninger, who's a famed psychiatrist, he once said that if he could convince the patients in psychiatric hospitals that their sins were forgiven by God, 75% of them could walk out the next day. Now, we like to pretend, and I'm really kind of just speaking to believers, but this might, you know, work with everybody. But we like to pretend that we don't feel guilty or we like to pretend that we aren't holding a grudge against people. And that's called putting on a mask of denial. Now, we talked about Jeremiah 614, you can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. You have to face your past and you have to forgive yourself and others and make amends. That's the only real lasting solution to getting past all this pain that you've been carrying for so long. There's a, a Spanish story of a father and a son who had become estranged and the son ran away. 
and the father set off to find him, and he searched for months to no avail, and finally, in a last desperate effort to find him, the father put an ad in a Madrid newspaper, and the ad read, Dear Paco, meet me in the front of the newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you. Your father. On Saturday, hundreds of Pacos showed up in the street looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. Everyone is begging for forgiveness on the inside, and it's killing us. And so uh, I, I began talking about the last, you know, in our last discussion on forgiveness, I began at the very end to tell something, and I decided I was going to save it for over here. Mm-hmm. What I was going to say is that when you, especially when you work with, with programs like this, uh, and I'm sure part of it is being a leader, but I, I bet the more that you just internalize the 12 steps, you you gain this no matter what you really start to see every situation that happens even around you, even involving you from the perspective of the other person a lot easier. Yes. And so when I get, uh, it's almost a natural occurrence now when someone offends me, my immediate, well, my, you know, immediate reaction is to be offended, but of course, before (laughs) I react like outwardly, my next thought is to be, why are they acting this way? Like what is going on in their life right now that they would be this uncharacteristically offensive to me? Now, if it's some random stranger flipping me off in traffic, I don't really give them that same courtesy. (laughs) And it has to be uncharacteristically (laughs) offensive. That's the thing. Like if Mo were to just one day shoot me the middle finger, (laughs) I would be like... (laughs) I would be like... Something's up with Mo. I wouldn't be like, ouch. My, oh my, my, my internal feelings, like it would hurt. But I mean, my main concern would be like, okay, something's up. Either I've done something to, to tick her off royally or her life is, is Way in a shambles sorts. at the moment yeah. and she needs some help. But <laughs> Send the paddy wagon. That girl's gone crazy. <laughs> But I mean, you feel that too, right? It's yeah, like, absolutely. It, it, it's a, I feel like that's the way God made us to be. Yeah. And we, we fight against that most of our lives You in more of a selfish way of self-preservation. Yeah. You are a little more mature than what I am um, because I still react, which isn't good. But then once I react and I get it out, (laughs) then I'm like, oh, hold on. Okay, wait a minute. Let me back it up a little bit. And then let me see it from their perspective. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hold on. Let me explain my perspective. And now let's come together and we'll figure it out. (laughs) That's. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to put it out there. This past week, Chris and I just had it out. Ooh. Okay. And it was over our camping trip over Labor Day weekend. Mm. Okay. Here's the thing. Twice in the last month, my husband has planned things that have gone... South? Not as positively as they would have had someone else planned. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so 
The first one was a surprise birthday party for my friend. He and my friend's husband and then Cipriano, the three husbands, for whatever reason, decided to plan this surprise party. Mm. And the whole time, Samantha and I are like, why are y'all planning? (laughs) The whole thing kind of went crazy and bananas. And it just turned out to be stressful for all the wives because we're like, what is happening? There is no... There's no rhyme or reason to this thing. Yes. <laughs> What's the theme? There's always a theme. Exactly. <laughs> Two people ended up buying decorations. Party the is not a theme. decorations didn't go together at all. It was, it was berserk. But anyway. Um, so then a couple weeks after that, we're getting ready to go on our Labor Day camping trip. And from the beginning... Okay. First of all, we went camping at Lake Conscious, which in nine years, it was the first time that I had ever been there when my mom and my sister were visiting. Okay. And I I didn't want to leave the day that we were there. I loved it. And I got drug away early with the promise. We'll come camping. We will come for Labor Day. We'll come camping. Mm. Okay. Great. Awesome. Yes. So I've been like anxiously anticipating this long weekend camping trip, mm. right? So I, I find out again that the husbands have decided to plan this and I'm <laughs> um, told we'll be there Saturday and we'll come home Monday. And I was like, okay, why aren't we leaving Friday when everybody gets off work? Well, we didn't want to do that. Why? What's the difference between Friday afternoon and Saturday morning. Okay. What time is check-in? Oh, four o'clock on Saturday. So by the time we get to the campground and we set up our camper and get everything in place, Saturday's gone. Yeah. So now we only have Sunday at the lake and we have to leave Monday by two o'clock. That's it. We have one day at the lake. And so I'm trying to explain this to Chris, right? But the way that he's receiving it is I'm ungrateful because he made all these plans. And I'm like, no, I'm super grateful. I wanted more time for all these plans. You, you knew how upset I was when we left early when mom and Gigi were here. You knew I was looking forward to this. I even specifically said, what about Friday? Okay. So there's this whole misunderstanding, whole misinterpretation. I word vomit everywhere, scream all of my feelings because I've lost it. And then I have to take a minute and go, wait a minute. Hold up. I am not unappreciative. Mm. I am not ungrateful. I'm so thankful that you took the time to plan all this. I'm so thankful for the extra effort that you put into it. He even bought paddle boards that we didn't necessarily need, but they're, they're fun. Yeah. Why not have them? Yeah. Going to be at the lake. <clears throat> and he, in the same way, had to take a minute to go, okay, don't get so defensive. It's not an attack against me personally. Her feelings are just hurt. She's slightly let down. So let me see where she's coming at it. Gotcha. And in that regard, I think if everyone can could take a minute in whatever situation 
that they're feeling um, turmoil or frustration towards someone else, if you can just take a minute to put yourself in the other person's shoes, as cheesy and elementary as it sounds, coming at it from a place of understanding for them and then them seeing you do that is going to cause them to do the same in return towards you opens up doors for forgiveness all around yeah and closes doors towards animosity mm-hmm. so. yep <laughs> i mean you're right <clears throat> and the truth is, and like I was saying, we, we do tend to grow up with a, a kind of selfish, self-preservation mindset when it comes to this kind of stuff. So even when we are wrong, we're less likely to want to admit it because uh, we're stubborn mm-hmm. and selfish. <laughs> yeah. Fight or flight. Yeah. And so, and we all know people in our lives that you know, will obviously do something wrong and everyone will tell them that they were wrong, but they will refuse to apologize and they will refuse to admit that what they did was wrong and they will defend what they did, you know, staunchly because they can't be wrong in their mind. And that in and of itself is a defense mechanism. Yeah. We see that as them being a jerk, but in reality, they're messed up too. They've got something wrong with them. They're insecure or they're, they're, fearful or prideful or struggling or they've got something even darker deeper hidden in there and they don't want to let any kind of crack or vulnerability show yeah to let it out there's a whole lot that can be going on behind the eyes of somebody that you just never really think about from your perspective until you start right until you start realizing oh you want other people to think from your perspective too so give them the same benefit Uh, and uh you know, that's one thing that I've said a lot on this show is, you know, try not to attribute something to malice that could be attributed to ignorance. Sure. You know, yeah. If, if, if you're hurt by some someone, don't automatically assume that they meant to do it. Uh, you know, stop and, and consider the fact that they might not have realized that was going to hurt you mm-hmm. and inform them of it. You know, it's it's OK to talk this kind of stuff out. To be free of resentment, fear, anger, shame, and guilt, we have to give and accept forgiveness in all areas of our lives. If you can't do this, then your spiritual growth is going to stall indefinitely, which kind of will feel like you've plateaued in your faith. And in fact, that might be the reason that you, dear listener, are plateaued in your faith right now, because there is a big boulder uh, blocking the path to continue upward called unforgiveness, Mm. uh, grudges, things of that nature. Uh, truth is you simply reached a point where you can't go any further until you break that stuff out of your heart. Uh, here's another, uh, object lesson about accepting God's forgiveness. Mm. There's a couple that was married for 15 years and they began having more than usual disagreements. They wanted to make their marriage work and agreed on the idea the wife had for one month, they would plan to drop a slip in a fault box. The boxes would provide a place to let the other know about daily irritations with the intention of maybe trying to work on them. The wife was diligent in her efforts and approach. She'd write a little slip, leaving the jelly top off the jar, put it in the box. Wet towel on the shower floor, put it in the box. Dirty socks, not in the hamper, but right next to the hamper, put it in the box. (laughs) 
on and on until the end of the month. After dinner at the end of the month, they exchanged boxes, and the husband, the husband read her notes first and reflected on what he'd done wrong. And the wife opened her box and began reading, and they were all the same. The message on each slip was, I love you. I love you. I love you. And while if this really happened, this would really irritate the wife. <laughs> this is actually what God does with us. Mm. You know, he sees what we've done wrong. He sees all of our little infra infractions. And while, yes, he wants us to be better, and there sometimes will be consequences that comes with these infractions, each one of those uh, each one of those slips <laughs> is going to say, I love you on it because he wants the best for you. We think we're going to get yelled at and instead he loves us more, loves us with a purpose to better us. Jesus's work on the cross was to forgive our sins. It is finished. So no matter how badly we may have hurt others or ourselves, the grace of God is always sufficient and his forgiveness is always complete. Uh, Romans 3, 22 through 25, God puts people right through their faith in Jesus Christ. God does this to all who believe in Christ because there is no difference at all. Everyone has sinned and is far away from God's saving presence. But by the free gift of God's grace, all are put right with him through Jesus Christ who sets them free. God offer him so that by his sacrificial death, he would become the means by which people's sins are forgiven through their faith in him. So God has forgiven us. And therefore, since God has forgiven us, we are to continue that forward and forgive others. And like we said, it is a process, depending on how severely you've been hurt. But you have to be in a mindset where you're willing to forgive people. One of the self-preservation issues is that once we're, you know, that one of the things that happens when we're in that mode all the time is it's a one and done situation. You hurt me one time, you betray me one time, we're done. Yeah. Dunzo. Mm -hmm. Out of here. Out of my life forever. Yeah. To be truly free, you have to let go of that pain of past harms that have been caused by others and let this stuff go. In, uh, and I think, oh yeah, I ahead. want you to say that again, because I think that a lot of people don't realize that that is what causes you to write people off so easily. The one and done. It's the past hurt mm -hmm. caused by other people. You are causing people in your life today to pay for the sin of other people mm. in your life from yesterday. Right. Every, every relationship, friendship or whatever you've ended because of one infraction, one bad argument, one hurt has just made you more bitter and more willing to do that again in the future. Yeah. It's the same thing when it comes to divorce. Yeah. The divorce rate for like new married couples is not 50%. The 50% divorce rate comes from all marriages, including people that have been remarried. Mm -hmm. People who have been married and divorced and then got married again are far more likely than 50% to get yeah. divorced again. Yep. Because it just builds up bitterness in your heart. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's the couples who, when faced with situations that would typically cause a divorce, but fight through it and fight for their marriage, even if they have to go through years where they are not very happy in order to come out to the other side in a much stronger and more happy relationship that are going to make it, mm -hmm. that are going to get past it, and that won't have to deal with divorce at all. 
Yeah. That's that for better or worse stuff that you promised. <laughs> right. The worst is not, oh, if our house gets hit by a hurricane. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty no. bad. Right. We're talking about the terrible stuff. <laughs> the stuff that makes it hard to love each other. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it's the end. It doesn't mean it has to be. Then that comes, this, that's the same way with all of your relationships, all of your friendships, everybody in your life. Just because you have some bad times, even some bad years, that doesn't mean that it's a write-off. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't ever think that that's even a possibility because that just opens that door for you to walk away and to not work on it. Mm-hmm. I will say, I think that is probably my biggest um, grief, grievance. That is probably my biggest grievance with humans in general. Our willingness to just walk away from relationships. Just write people off. Yeah. Without, without even a second thought, without... Really taking a minute to ponder and put yourself in the other person's shoes or to talk things out, Um, you know, to have a cup of coffee and say, listen, this happened, intentional or not, hurt my feelings, go, your turn, you know? Right. Eh, We're all human and we're (laughs) all going to make mistakes. We're all going to do things that hurt each other. Mm -hmm. We're all going to let each other down. But if we write each other off... At the first sign of flaw, yeah, we're not going to have anybody left in our lives. Not only that, but I go right back to, you know, my moment analogy from a couple weeks ago. You're then building a wall around yourself mm-hmm. instead of building a bridge to you and other people. You're closing yourself off from the world around you from the people who God has placed in your life. And that's kind of sad. I think a good analogy for that today would be our COVID situation. Because this whole COVID thing, which we're starting to feel again, has made us fearful of other people. (laughs) Yeah. We put on masks to cover our faces. Mm Mm-hmm. And we have a six-foot bubble all around us, and don't get in my six-foot bubble. It's only three now. <laughs> and if you cough anywhere near me, yeah. as in you have a flaw anywhere around me, I'm running away from you. Uh-huh. I mean, that's <laughs> we have the denial, we have the the closed off from other people, and we have the, if the, the slightest provocation occurs, we run the other way. That's the perfect example of what it we're really talking is. about here. Don't do that. Yeah. Uh, Don't quarantine yourself from <laughs> life. Uh, from life, yeah. Matthew 18, we have that story where Peter comes to Jesus and asks, uh, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times, which he said like he was trying to be all holier than mm-hmm. thou. Up to seven <laughs> times? Seven whole times, Jesus. Jesus said not seven times, but 70 times seven times, which is for you math illiterate folks, 490 times. Hey, math is important. Uh, Shout out to KY right there. So tell me something. Yeah. How would you be able to keep track of having to forgive someone in your life 500 times? You wouldn't. Like you would have to keep a record book for every single person. For every single person. A 500 page record book. Uh Yeah. So You'd have a whole bookshelf just devoted to the times that people have hurt you. One of my favorite stories to tell about my oldest, um, he was about six and he is my genius, has always been very academically smart and gifted. Um, 
But he had just had enough of his brother one day, had just had enough of it. And for those of you who don't know, they are just over a year apart. They're 15 months apart. So they are very close in age, but also very, very different individuals. Um, And Topher had just had enough of his brother. He was over it. He was tired of forgiving him, tired of offering him grace and canon just being canon all over everything. Um, Skin is canon this all over the place. Exactly. <clears throat> and so I remember reading this Bible verse to Topher. And again, he, he was no more than six. We had just moved here. Um, and we're talking about it. What does it mean? You know? Not seven times, but 70 times seven. And he goes, that's 490 times, mom. And I kind of looked at him and that's when I was like, this was not the verse to pick for you. (laughs) And I asked him that very question. Yes, you're exactly right. It's 490 times. How many times has your brother already sinned against you? How many times have you already had to offer him forgiveness? And he just kind of looks at me like, I don't know. How am I supposed to know that? You know, five years worth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, but you haven't been keeping track of it. There's no possible way for you to daily, day in and day out, keep track of every single fault against your brother. And that's the point. Mm Mm-hmm. The point is you're going to get to a place to where you can't count. You can't keep track. And that's what Jesus is getting at. Right. We're not supposed to be keeping track of them. We're not supposed to keep a journal for every person. And if you did, that means you're not forgiving them. That's that's <laughs> that's still harboring that anger. It's and it's not setting boundaries either, y'all. So don't right. go back. <laughs> don't go back to that whole three step process of forgiveness. That's not what we're saying. You cannot keep a journal writing down the four hundred and ninety times, and then you get to that four hundred and ninety first and say, I'm sorry, you are no longer covered by biblical policy. This friendship shall be dissolved forthwith, and you better untag me out of all your Facebook photos. That is not how this works. That's exactly right. It's ridiculous. Well, and then our time would be consumed with simply that. Mm-hmm. Keeping track of all of the wrongs. And then is there like a, is there a, a, a way for them to lose a mark? Like if they do so many good things for us, if they, if they build us up so many good times, do they get to lose a mark then? Do they get to lose a tally <laughs> mark? Like, can I put a scribble through it? That's something that I've always kind of thought about when thinking of this verse. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You can be mean to me today, but then for the next five days, if you build me up or you show me love and you know what I mean? Am I then supposed to scribble out that one mark? Right. And really all we're doing is holding on to our anger. And if you're holding on to anger again, that's hurting you more than anything else. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness frees you from that anger that allows you to move forward positively in those relationships. Uh, we're told in Romans not to repay anyone evil for evil. Evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So we are given an admonishment when it comes to us. It is our role <laughs> to do the best we can to live at peace with everybody. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to forgiveness, we're supposed to forgive everybody. And we talked about how there's there's situations where someone is abused. 
uh, could be as a child, it could be as an adult, it could be physical, sexual abuse, could be just emotional abuse, but whatever the case, these situations are the toughest. These are the toughest to both comprehend and understand, and clearly the toughest to forgive and move on. Mm -hmm. And we talked about how in that case, the the kind of forgiveness is more like the release forgiveness of, I'm just not going to hold on to this anymore. I'm not going to let me be defined by this moment in time any longer. It's easy, I would say probably easier for victims of abuse to hold on to that grudge because in almost all cases, they harbor no responsibility for it. And so this would be, in most cases, a, 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 a genuine and, and uh, untainted hurt. Because in most disagreements and in most anger, there's usually at least a little bit of blame on both sides. But in situations where you've been abused, most of the time you harbor no responsibility whatsoever. And so you feel even more justified in that anger and at the same time, it's really hurting you mm-hmm. and you're not realizing how much. Yeah. I think also what happens in pain from abusive situations is we go, the victim goes to a place of what did I do? Because, oh yeah. Blaming themselves. Yeah. Because our human nature is, well, it's always, things are always two part. Mm-hmm. Where is my... Um, I can't think of the word. Where is my fault, if you will? What caused this person to hurt me? Exactly. And like you said, there isn't any. Yeah. In those abusive situations, there is any. 99.9% of the time. Right. There is not blame on the part of the one who was abused. And, but they're constantly in this cycle, this while trying to heal, while trying to process, they're in the cycle of, okay, but what did I do? Yeah. What did I do? Yeah. I don't want this to happen again. I don't want to be in this situation again. I have to figure out what I did to get me here. And you can't because there isn't any. And so that just continues to bring up those harboring feelings of unforgiveness. Yeah. You cannot get past it. It, it just doesn't allow for healing at that point until you realize and you can truly accept that you were a victim. Yeah. There is no fault on your part. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And so uh, the last couple of things we want to talk about is, uh, number one, and this is going to sound weird and it always sounds weird. (laughs) And people who look through the CR curriculum without actually attending the groups in order to, uh, talk crap about it usually take this part out of context as being what it seems like on its face when you first hear it without hearing the explanation but it says make sure on your list of people to forgive you forgive god Mm -hmm. now that is not saying that god did anything to require your forgiveness what we're talking about is that we have a tendency to blame God when things go wrong in our life. God is all powerful. God could have stepped in and stopped this from happening. If God really loved me, he wouldn't have let this person hurt me or let this thing happen. 
and we get into this mindset where we're blaming God and sometimes we don't even realize that we're doing it. Mm-hmm. And we have to get to that point where we release that, realizing that it's not really about forgiving God. It's quote unquote forgiving God, but we're, we're releasing what is an unfounded anger towards God. Yeah. In much the same way that we would real forgiveness towards people who actually need it. (laughs) Right. So I understand why that's confusing for people. It is. But God is, God is perfect in love, mercy, and grace. God doesn't sin. He doesn't sin against us, but we do harbor that anger for letting bad things happen because we're not fully understanding what God is and how God sees everything from all moments in time, from everybody's perspective. And we're not seeing that whole picture. We're only seeing our tiny slice. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think a lot of well-meaning Christians, well-meaning church folk, um, do this without even realizing it. And they do it kind of in a positive way by saying things like, you know, God will never give you anything more than you can handle. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is not, not a thing. That's a lie. <laughs> God oftentimes will give you more things than you can handle. To because remind he needs you. you <laughs> to realize that he's the only one that can handle these That's things. That's exactly right. And yeah. you need to rely on his strength. But those are those kind of well-meaning sayings that, you know, a lot of our, that our, confuse church, people. Yeah. Yeah, our church folk will say in hard situations, mm-hmm. you know, and not realizing it. It's painting God out to be a villain. Mm-hmm. We do that in a lot of ways, sometimes in, in, in ways that we don't really think about fully, like, uh, <laughs> like a couple who's dating and one of them feels like they're not supposed to be in the situation anymore. And so they say, God is telling me that we need to break up. Imagine being on the receiving end of that line. I was on the now receiving thinking, end of that line. Did you think... What's wrong what's with ro- me? What is what's wrong? What does God think is wrong with me? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. When I was in high school, I dated my best friend's cousin, mm-hmm. and we dated for almost a year. Mm-hmm. And he went to church camp. It was our senior oh, year. You did tell me the story. Yeah, he went to church camp and came back and was like, "Yeah, God revealed to me that we just we can't be together anymore. Mm-hmm. You're not the one God has for me." And I'm like. What? What, <laughs> what did what I do is, wrong? What's wrong with me? I can't. Wh- huh? What's God got against me? Yeah. yeah. So of course now looking back, obviously. Sure. But, but in that moment, absolutely. <laughs> that's not. Yeah, that's not how it, fra- it should be framed because it's you're basically using God as a scapegoat as yeah. to why you want to break up. Yep. Say, look, I don't think it's going to work out. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Just be honest. Just walk away. Right. <laughs> don't blame God. Don't blame God. <laughs> it's not his fault. <laughs> But uh, the last area of forgiveness we want to talk about is probably the most difficult, and that is forgiving yourself. Guilt and shame are like very, very powerful forces in our lives. They are, uh, well, it's put here in the, in the curriculum, guilt and shame are not words that strike fear into our hearts. They are the fear that strikes our hearts. Guilt and shame are like the red warning light in your dash, uh, dashboard of your car. You can either stop and deal with the trouble or break out the light, keep driving, and wait for an inevitable breakdown. Mm. You might feel that your sins are too much to forgive. And there's a lot of us that have been in that boat. Like, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what's in my past. We might not. 
God does. Mm-hmm. And he says he can forgive you. And I'm inclined to believe him. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that he loves you. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first uh, took over at our CR here, when I was first the main leader, something terrible happened in our town when we got to this lesson. Uh-huh. Uh, we experienced one of the worst tragedies our, our little New Mexico town has ever experienced. Mm-hmm. And it was with someone who was in our landing program, which was the CR for teenagers, uh, too. He, he had, a, he, 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 how do I put this delicately? It was a shooting situation. He walked into our local library and just randomly shot at people that were in there. And he killed two uh, innocent women mm-hmm. and wounded several others. And it was it was hard for our town, but it was even especially hard for us at our church because we'd had this kid in our church for many, many weeks. Like we were trying to speak our, our, our love into him. We were trying to show him this better way and then to see this happen was just, uh, it came out of nowhere. But even then, fresh off of that situation, I think it was just a week later we were giving this, I had to talk about it and say, he is not beyond forgiveness. Right. Now, he may be beyond forgiveness for many people in this town, especially people that were related to those who you know, lost their lives. But ultimately, with God, he's not beyond forgiveness. And I know, to, especially to people who aren't believers, that's a hard thing to accept. Because we, we even, even believers, we get to a point where there are some things that people can do. Where we think there's no way that person deserves forgiveness from anybody, ever. Yeah. And I understand that. And I'm not trying to condemn you for having those thoughts because those are very human, very rational thoughts. But that's just it. They're human thoughts. They're from one side of things and from one focus judged on one moment in one person's life. It's a hard situation to get to. Mm-hmm. Will this uh, person, him, he's not a boy anymore, he's an adult now, but will this, will this man be able to forgive himself? I don't know. Maybe not. We know from correspondence that we've been informed of with him that he is regretful for what he did, that he can't believe what he did. I don't know if he'll ever be able to forgive himself for it. But that doesn't mean that when situations like this occur, there's no way back. There might not be a way back here on earth, but that doesn't mean that there's no, no path to forgiveness with God. God wants to take the darkness of your past and wipe it clean, no matter how dark it was. There have been many people on this earth that have taken lives unjustly, that have come to faith in Christ, to genuine faith in Christ, that have sought forgiveness. One of my favorite stories is about a, a boy who, who murdered another boy. 
and this boy's, the murdered boy's mother mm. mm-hmm. came multiple times to see him in prison through the years as he was serving his sentence for that, his juvenile sentence. And that by the time that boy got out of uh, prison, that mother adopted that boy. Mm-hmm. Now, it didn't make the tragedy of losing her son any less real, but it did showcase the redemptive healing power of God's forgiveness. Yeah. And it took something that was tragic and terrible and brought just a little bit of beauty out of it. It transformed lives and it showed God's forgiveness. Isaiah 1, 18 through 19 says, come, let's talk this over, says the Lord. No matter how deep the stain of your sins, I can take it out and make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. Even if you are stained as red as crimson, I can make you as white as wool if you will only let me help you. This verse specifically goes on to say that I'm not saying just if you're a little bit messy. I'm saying if you are completely blood red covered in your sin, I can make you white as wool. I can clean this slate and make something beautiful out of it. No matter how unloved or worthless you may feel, God loves you. Your feelings about yourself don't change his love for you one little bit. And if God can forgive you himself, then how can you withhold forgiveness from yourself? And honestly, you have to forgive yourself before you can forgive others. The Bible says the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. If you can't love or forgive yourself, how can you love and forgive your neighbor? And self-forgiveness is not a matter of assigning blame to someone else or letting yourself off the hook. It's not a license for more irresponsibility. It's simply an acknowledgement that you're human like everybody else that you've reached a stage in your spiritual growth where you were able to give yourself greater respect. You're not perfect. You never will be. But you can work on yourself along with God. You're going to fall down, but with your Savior's help, you can get back up, brush yourself off, and try again. Like we always say when we talk about recovery topics, growing in this spiritual walk Growing as a human being, it's not about perfection. God's not looking for you to be perfect. He's never expecting you to be perfect because he knows you're not perfect. He is expecting perseverance. Mm. All he's asking you to do is when you fall, get up and try again. When you fall, reach out your hand and let me help you up. When you fall, reach out to your brothers and sisters around you and let them help carry your burden. Don't stop trying to grow and get better. Forgive yourself because God has already forgiven you. And with his help, learn to forgive others. It won't change the past, but it will change the future. Any last thoughts, Mo? Um, I will, I will share. I think my favorite characteristic about God is that he's just. Mm -hmm. And when we consider what that really means, 
when I consider God's justice, you know, you take some of the most horrific criminals and the things that they've done. Um, and again, try to put myself in their shoes as terrible as it sounds. But to be just in the way that God is just requires us to know every single choice, every single action done to every person. Because who we are today is just a sum of all scenarios that have happened in our lives. Yeah. Put together to equal a person. The decisions that I make, the way that I react in certain situations, my defense mechanisms, they're things that I've learned over the course of my life. And God knows that. And when God looks at us and judges us justly, he takes all of those things into consideration. And that's one of the things that I'm most grateful for. I'm most grateful that he doesn't look at me and just go, wow, that was a screw up. (laughs) But he looks at me and goes, okay, I see what you did there. Was hoping you were going to go a different route, but I know why you did it. Let's figure this out and walk it together. You know, that, that is how I imagine God. When it comes to his just, his justice and his judgment towards us. I rest in the fact that he doesn't look at just one scenario, but he sees it all from start to finish Mm -hmm. and judges it righteously and justly. Yeah. When you dig yourself into a hole, he doesn't come up and just say, well, quite a hole you dug for yourself and walk away. Right. He says, well, quite a hole you dug for yourself and reaches his hand down. Yeah. (laughs) said, all right, let's start again. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's where we've landed. We hope that uh, this week we have uh, made it clear why forgiveness is important in in every case and in every scenario. I mean, at least a little clearer. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> we're not we're not great when it comes to making things perfectly clear. But, but God is. <laughs> hey. We're going to take one last break. When we get back, we have a poll on forgiveness to wrap up our topic. And we'll share some things that we love. Stick around. This week in nerd history, space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. These words open the first episode of Star Trek, the original series, when it premiered in America on September 8th, 1966. It was our first introduction to Captain James T. Kirk, First Officer and Science Officer Spock, Chief Medical Officer Leonard H. Bones McCoy, and the rest of the classic crew we would come to know and love as the originators of one of the most fan-crazy franchises in history. But it was not all that popular when it initially aired. 
With consistently bad Nielsen ratings, NBC finally canceled the show after three seasons. However, as sometimes happens with sci-fi shows, cough, Firefly, cough, cough, it became a major hit several years later in syndication, and it spawned a franchise, picking up with several movies, then several new series, and even to this day, a handful of Star Trek shows and movies are in production. But before any of that came to pass, after the original series grew its cult status, Gene Roddenberry attempted to continue on with the original series from where it left off. However, this time he opted to make it an animated series, with most of the original cast returning for the voice work. Star Trek the Animated Series also premiered on September 8th, but in 1973, and originally aired in the Saturday morning TV block. Not only was the animated series critically acclaimed, but it was also the first Star Trek series to win an Emmy Award, achieving the honor in 1975 for its second season. The show's writers originally considered the animated series as an effective fourth season for the original show. However, at the end of the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation, all licenses for Star Trek were renegotiated, and the animated series was essentially cut from the canon of the show, meaning it essentially never happened. Though some things established by the show still stand, such as the first captain of the Constitution-class Starship Enterprise being Captain Robert April, which featured James Doohan voicing the character during his only appearance on screen in the last episode of the animated series. He wouldn't be mentioned in the series again until the fifth episode of Star Trek Discovery in 2017, where he's listed as one of Starfleet's most decorated captains as of 2256. I'm Radio Matt. See you next time for more Nerd History. Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show as things are winding down for the day. And we wanted to know, are there people in your life right now who have hurt you that you are unable to forgive? So I asked this question on Twitter, and uh, I was kind of surprised by the results. Can I just say I'm glad I'm not on Twitter? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. I don't want to answer this. Quite a few people. <laughs> uh, but the, the yeses were only 21.9%. Hey, the noes were 78.1%. So Very good. That is good. That's encouraging. And I think maybe... Uh, rarer than I assumed. There's someone who jumped into our, our Discord chat who was a little more open and honest about the discussion <laughs> instead of just answering the anonymous Twitter poll. And uh, I'm not going to call him out because I don't know if he wanted that to be shared quite openly. But he just kind of let it all out saying, yeah, there's, there is, a, uh, I think he said a couple people right now that I have just been struggling for for a really, really long time forgiving and I'm working on it, but I can't get there yet. And if nothing else, that's still an encouraging mindset to have because that means you haven't quit. That means you're, he's, he's not given up on the goal of letting this go and forgiving and growing from it. Right. And that's not writing people off. Right. And that's, that's a good place to be in. Even if you can't, work all your, all the way to forgiveness and everybody in your life who's hurt you just yet, your mindset's still forward thinking. Right. Towards that goal, towards that desire to let that stuff go. Yeah. And so if that's where you are in your journey, that's great. We had somebody respond on Twitter, uh, am I unable to uh, forgive? No. Am I still working through it? Yes. So mm -hmm. that's the same thing. It's like, yeah, there's somebody who has hurt me in my life and I'm trying to forgive them, but I'm not unable to forgive them. And I'm aware of that. Right. Like I know that I can work towards this, but I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. Again, good mindset to have. Mm -hmm. So I am encouraged by this poll that so many people 
don't have anybody because that that hopefully is a a sign that um we're kind of growing as society. <laughs> yeah. Maybe growing as just believers cuz I can't I can't confidently say that believers are any better about it than non-believers are. Oh no. At all. Yeah. Uh especially in these tumultuous times that we live in where Christians can get just as uproariously angry about things as anybody else. Yeah, no, we want <laughs> we want to be forgiven all day long. Mm -hmm. But when it comes down to us giving the forgiveness that's a whole other story. A little bit more difficult. Mm -hmm. but you I, will really see our human nature then. Right. But I am Sorry. encouraged because maybe we're going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Now, before we go, we want to share some things that we love. I'm going to go first. Oh, fine. <laughs> I'm letting you in. I'm giving you the prime spot here. Oh, okay. I want to uh, express my love for Elgato's Stream Decks. Again, this is not sponsored, uh, but I have purchased... A little six button one for the church here and a 15 button one for my home and essentially what they are if you've not heard of them before is they allow you to do many things on your computer really quickly at the push of a button uh, sometimes multiple things at once like I have I have a whole screen set up for twitch when I twitch at home uh, for our Among Us night and one of my buttons will automatically open OBS, set the uh, the scene to the you know starting soon scene, and go live for me, all with just one push of the button that I don't even have to have any of the programs open for. And then I can switch between cameras just at the push of a button. I can put little reactions on there at the push of the button. I can clear the chat at the push of a button in case of somebody coming in there screaming all kinds of curse words. I can do a whole bunch of stuff really quickly, really nicely. Also, they're just very beautiful and very customizable. Uh, they're just dang nice. And at the church here, I have it set up to where I can use it to uh, go through our easy worship, you know, all the, all the slides and all the music songs where all I have to do is just rest my hand on this thing and just hit forward, just two little buttons forward in the slides and then forward to the next thing. And I go through the whole service just like that. Instead of having to like move my mouse around, make sure, uh, I'm on the right window and all these other things. It makes life a lot easier That's if you fair. do these kind of productions. Uh, a lot of people use them for like just normal computer tasks too, but I don't know if it's worth the price for that, but, uh, it is for the other things. So if, uh, especially if you're a, a streamer of some kind, you might want to check it out. Nice. Mo, what's your thing that you love? You ready? Yeah. Cheddar jalapeno Cheetos. <laughs> Such different things. Mm -hmm. We're always like that. But I just experience these for the first time cheddar jalapeno cheetos mm -hmm. okay i remember the box or the bag for these last week just experienced them for the first time and was floored they taste like a jalapeno popper really oh it's so good it is so good i don't like jalapeno poppers oh i'm sorry i know i know i'm but wrong they are so good <laughs> I know They're this is not. one of those things that I'm totally wrong about. <laughs> I just can't get there. They weren't super spicy. They had a little bit of heat, but I can eat an entire bag without, like, feeling overwhelmed. Like, I ate a bag of Flamin' Hot Funyuns 
a couple days ago, and by the end of it, my mouth was on fire. I was done. <laughs> like, I was doing the whole... <laughs> to try and cool my mouth off, you know? <laughs> but with the jalapeno cheddar Cheetos, it's just a good, enjoyable heat. Mm, okay. Good, enjoyable, flavorful, terrible for you. <laughs> but There is like a certain level of heat that I do like. Mm-hmm. But it's got to be just that level and yeah. no more. Otherwise, I will not eat it. <laughs> like, um, oh, we tried those um, those Slim Jim Hog Wild Barbecue yes. pork rinds mm-hmm. that didn't say anything about having heat in them, but they were still slightly spicy. Mm-hmm. And like, the more you ate, the spicier it kind of felt. But that was like about that heat level that I like. Like, I could still eat my whole serving of that and not be overwhelmed with it. But it's still got that little bit of a kick. Right. Yeah. That's so. I might try them. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't really like jalapenos themselves, but we tried those jalapeno and onion Pringles. Oh, yeah. And those were some of the best I've ever had. Yeah. So that might make me want to try them, especially if they're not too hot. So. Yep. They're not spicy at all, really. Okay. Just okay. Good and flavorful. Okay. Mo, let's end with our verse for the day. Matthew 5, 23 through 24. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. And that's going to do it for the Back Row Morning Show this week. We hope you enjoyed our discussion and we look forward. Oh, I'm reading your line. Dang. We hope you enjoyed our discussion right through it (laughs) and look forward to having you join us again next week where we're going to celebrate our 400th morning show. I have no idea what we're doing for it yet. (laughs) Really? I thought you did. I know one thing. I just don't know what else we're doing. Okay. (laughs) That'll be the only thing. Uh, Remember that we air our full morning shows first exclusively on LTN Radio, LTNOnAir.com, every Monday through Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 10 a.m. But if you miss a day or just can't catch the show live, you can find our three full shows and our weekly main podcast by searching The Back Row Morning Show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. Subscribe, rate five stars, and leave a review. Do it and we'll love you forever. And make sure you check out lovethynerd.com. We've got amazing articles on all things nerdy, other podcasts and videos, and a lot more. And if you'd like to directly support our mission and become a financial partner with Love Thy Nerd, even specifically with LTN Radio, please visit lovethynerd.com slash partner, and you can choose LTN Radio from the drop-down menu. Love Thy Nerd is a 501 qualifying C3 nonprofit organization, and your gift is tax-deductible. Something like that. You got them jumbled up a bit, but you know all those things. If that's important to you then you know what we meant exactly and make sure you're following us on all the socials we're on the book the twit the gram and the talk just search for at the back row ltn and connect with us once again i'm radio matt and i'm mo and remember if nobody else tells you we promise it's true jesus Jesus loves loves you nerd. nerd